You were listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 153 and 154 of reading through the Bible in a year, doing it the oral tradition style. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us. We are just going to talk about the narrative, a lot of narrative in 1st and 2nd Samuel, so let's get into it. Let's get into it. Our Old Testament reading for today is 2nd Samuel chapter 2 verse 8 through chapter 4. Oh, all right. Well, David is anointed king over Judah, mm-hmm. and right away we see that the rest of Israel still is going to stick to the family of Saul. Mm-hmm. So apparently there was a son who didn't go off to war. Yes, Ishbosheth. Ishbosheth. And uh, Abner, Saul's cousin, pretty sure, because uh, Ner was his uncle. Yeah, so okay. Saul's cousin uh, takes Ishbosheth, makes him the king. Um, they did cross over, though. Their main quarters is in uh, Mahanaim. Say it with confidence, man. Mahanaim. Right. Uh, Mahanaim. Yeah, that. And uh, they're over in Gilead, and but yet all of Israel at this point is still recognizing Saul's lineage, Saul's line as you are king over us. Right. And uh, we get a little footnote of and he's only going to reign for two years right so there, that's you know you have like these little sections in the bible where it's like here's kind of what's going on mm-hmm. big big picture so saul's son who didn't fight with him ish bosheth is given you know he's going to reign for two years so they're showing now we kind of flash back into towards the end of those two years here's how his reign ended and mm-hmm. david's really solidified there's a battle you have joab you got to think about joab and abner both, mm-hmm. uh, I'd say Abner has been defending. So he's like almost like an armor bearer kind of commander. Yeah, so he's Saul's cousin. But he's in charge of protecting Saul. Yes, and then you have Joab and Abishai and uh, well, Ash, As- Asahel. Well, yeah, and I was, I was going to say, like, those guys, though. They're, they're like the similar position of Abner, and they are David's nephews. But they've been protecting David as he's been on the run for mm-hmm. 12 years. So the relationship yeah. is really tight. And I know for Joab, he's thinking, man, we're finally getting our big break. We're finally going to get noticed. Mm-hmm. And he loves David. So that, I just want to say that as we get into this, because Abner and uh, Joab seem to be taking things into their own hands in chapter 2, where they meet up. They decide to meet up mm-hmm. and kind of have a little... Uh, Let's talk about how this is going to go down. And then it erupts. Somehow there's like, hey, let's have a competition. And it, it erupts into a full, full-on battle. Yeah, so they decide to have the young men arise and compete before us. And so that term, young men, means like the inexperienced, like the newbies are, are like going to rise up. And they're going to have like a little competition. If our guys win, we're, then we're the victors. If your guys win, you're the victors. But they're all super inexperienced, and they all end up just killing each other. And so none of the young men win, and it kind of erupts in this greater conflict. Yeah, and so uh, Ash Asahel, or Asa, yeah, Asahel, was one of David's nephews. Mm-hmm. He runs after Abner. Yeah, so Judah gets the upper hand. Yes. And totally lays waste to Abner's uh, army, and so they're, all, they're fleeing. And now Asahel is 
running Abner down. He's running down, and Abner's like the older guy. He's been protecting Saul for a long time. Mm-hmm. And as he's running, he's saying, dude, don't do this. I don't want to kill you. Go after a younger guy. Yeah, go don't after fight someone him. else. And, but this young guy, this young nephew of David, won't stop. And he's just mm-hmm. running after him like, no, this is my big break. Yeah. And Abner's like, ugh. So finally Abner just be from, like, you have to imagine he's chasing Abner, and then Abner just uses his sword. His spear. His spear to go backward mm-hmm. right through the stomach of Asahel. Yes. And so this causes a huge problem, though, because now Abner has killed one of the nephews of David. Mm -hmm. Joab is so upset, like Joab is never going to let this go. But then what you find out is Abner has lost 360 men, Mm -hmm. and um, Joab has lost only 19. So David's guys are still like the blessed warriors. Mm -hmm. But you can hear our VBS in the background. Yeah, this is great. Oh, they're having fun back there. Okay, so... um, you got Abner who says, let's stop this. Yeah. Joab says, good job. Uh, yeah, I agree. Because I got 19 dead, and I got to explain this to David. Mm-hmm. So Joab does uh, stop and come back. And I think maybe even at this moment, Joab doesn't know that yeah. his brother's dead. And so when he hears Abner's voice say, let's just call, us quit, call it quits. You guys beat us. We're going to retreat. Joab's like, oh, fair enough. But then they count the dead. There's 19, and his brother is included in that. Yeah. And so now uh, there's definitely enmity between... It's going to cause a ton of problems. Joab and Abner. So then uh, in chapter 3, you got... There's just already this... I didn't realize civil war between all of the tribes of Israel and Judah began at the end of Saul's reign. Yeah. I mean, really, it begins from the very beginning... And so, um, but David's house was growing stronger and Saul's was becoming weaker and weaker. And Mm -hmm. one of the ways that you know that you're becoming stronger is you have a ton of sons. Yeah. So there's a list of David's sons, um, like six. Yes, six sons. Six sons. So Mm -hmm. it's showing that David is being blessed with fertility and having sons and his army is building Mm -hmm. and the house of Saul is dwindling. And so while there was war between the house of Saul and David... Um, Abner got accused. Abner flips because Ishbosheth is starting to get insecure, just like his dad. Mm-hmm. And that's what Abner. I, this is my take on it. Now, Ishbosheth accuses Abner of trying to to sleep with one of his concubines, mm-hmm. which is a power move. So essentially, if you get accused of trying to be intimate with one of the concubines of the king, that means you're accused of overthrowing treason like yeah, yeah. you're going to try to overthrow the kingdom yeah. so as soon as Ishbosheth says this Abner's like you're crazy yeah. we don't know if Abner really did it or not I don't think he did just because he says you're crazy and he realizes the line of Saul is done I'm going to go over to David so he goes over to David yeah because he's being accused of treason right and he's done everything he, he can to protect the line of Saul he's done all that he can to uh keep this line going and now he's realizing I'm just going to continue to be accused yeah we're done here and then uh, he kind of goes with good faith because David is like I was promised Michelle Michelle mm-hmm. we call her Michelle back when I got the hundred foreskins of the Philistines <laughs> I was supposed to get this wife but then I had to run away and at the time we believed David was probably 18 yeah and so uh, he says I want her and Abner brings her even though her husband now is crying um, he's like, no, don't take her. But uh, 
he ends up bringing Mishal, which is so great because for David because now it's tying him to Saul's family mm-hmm. line. So he's like legitimately part of the family. Yes. Which Saul was trying to kind of keep that from happening. And so now that gives David like a little bit of extra authority with the rest of the tribes. So Abner comes over. They make a deal mm-hmm. where uh, Abner's like, hey, I'm going to deliver to you all of Israel. Yeah. And then Joab messes things up. Well, Joab in his anger. So Abner actually goes around to the elders of Israel um, yeah. saying, like, you've been seeking for David to be king over you, right. like when he first hit the scene. And uh, he says, now let's just actually do it. Let's make David uh, the king. The Lord promised that David would save us and from the hand of the Philistines. So he goes around, he speaks to the Benjamites, he speaks to all of Israel, and um, the whole, it says, all that Israel and the whole house of Benjamin thought good to do, like to make David their king. And so Abner actually like goes around and secures the kingdom the rest of the kingdom for David. And uh, so David makes this giant feast for Abner. He's like, thank you, let's have a feast. And so he has, they have a feast. Uh, they celebrate that David's going to be the new king. And, he, and then he sends Abner away to go continue to do the work for the kingdom. And Joab and his, and his brother Abishai roll up from a raid and find out that Abner was there and had left in peace. Right. And they are mad. They're so mad that uh, they kill him. Yeah. They go they go hunt Abner down. They invite him back into a city to like eat with them. And then they pull him off to the side as like, here, let's have a private conversation over here. And then they just stab him. And Abner's feeling like, yeah, this would be a good conversation. I'm sure David's talked to you, Joab. Yeah. But kills him. And then David says to Joab... And all the people who were with him, you better tear your clothes and put on some sackcloth before mm-hmm. Abner. You better mourn for this loss. Mm-hmm. And Joab's like, what? But this is what David does. He's like, we don't kill the Lord's anointed. Yeah. And I'm not going to rejoice in this, even if he was an enemy and he did kill one of my nephews. We're doing something bigger here. And this is like where Jesus, when he tells us to forgive our enemies, mm-hmm. it's because we're doing something bigger. We're not in the moment and the Lord will take revenge. And so... Again, David sets up this, this idea of, uh, I'm not going to be happy that you killed somebody that was, I think, anointed to protect the anointed one. Yeah, and, and he's just secured the kingdom for them. Right. And it's interesting because I always thought this was unusual for David to not just kill Joab and Abishai right. for doing this. And he instead curses them, like with a pretty hefty curse. He says... Uh, May it fall on the head of Joab and upon all his father's house, and may the house of Joab never be without one who has a discharge or is leprous or who holds a spindle, which is a cane, a crutch, or who falls by the sword or who lacks bread. And he just levels this kind of generational curse on them. And I always thought it was weird that he just did that instead of just, like, removing them from service. But then I realized, oh, they're his nephew's. There is family ties, his man. Sisters, kids. He's not gonna just kill them. He's got to talk to his sister about yeah. this. Yeah, and he's already lost one. Yeah, so so then he just they live for Abner. They live with a curse. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you see the same scenario work out in the house of Saul, because uh, once Ishbosheth hears about Abner, his courage failed. Now he's even more scared. Mm-hmm. 
and um, and there are two captains of the raiding bands. Uh, their names don't even really matter. It's Bena, Bena and uh, Rimon, right. and those guys end up essentially just going into the house of Ishbosheth where he sleeps and just kill him. Mm-hmm. Then they bring him, or they what do they bring to? They bring his head. head? His they bring hands. his head to David. Mm-hmm. It's like these guys don't know David. You know, it's like yeah. people don't know David because mm-hmm. here we go again. They bring the Lord's anointed, even though he's a jerk. He's yeah. a bad guy. He's wasting everything. But still, you don't kill the Lord's anointed. And it's, David has also made vows to Saul and Jonathan right. to be kind to the, their line. To not wipe out their line. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's trying to uh, uphold this. The only good news in this story is that Jonathan, remember sweet Jonathan, he has a son, little Mephibosheth. And, wow. uh Good news, bad news. Yeah. Uh, good news is that he has a son. Bad news is that his uh, nursemaid drops him as she's like, there's like all this fear that's in the camp, and they find out that like all their leaders are dying. And right. so she like tries to run and sneak him into like hiding, mm-hmm. and she drops him and he becomes lame. Right. So the only one left really in Saul's line now is a cripple. Is a crippled um, boy. Is he five? He was five years old yeah. when news, so, yeah. And that's when he got injured at five. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old he is now. Yeah. But uh, so David then has to kill these two guys for bring. He's like, he kills the two guys who um, kill murder Ish Bosheth. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I guess we'll hear more about what happens to Mephibosheth. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing is he uh, he buries Ishbosheth with Abner, kind of as a yeah. From his point of view, he recognizes Abner was always faithful to protecting Israel's king. And so he still sees them as connected and loyal to one another. And so he restores them kind of in death. So you see kind of the crumbling of Saul's line. You see the support and the beginning of David's rule. And it ends with, uh, the reading for today ends with chapter 5, where all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron. They, mm-hmm. They're all finally getting reunited we are bone and flesh. In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led us out and brought in Israel. So they're saying, you be the shepherd of our, you're going to be the prince over Israel. And all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. And King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. So finally, we believe that Samuel anoints David when he's about 16. Yeah. And now David is 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years. So he's already been reigning over Judah for seven years and six months, and now he's going to begin a 33-year reign over all of Israel. So David flees at age 18, runs around for 12 years, and now finally is united the kingdom. So it's a big deal. Things are looking up again uh, because we have a leader who's going to trust God. Testament reading for today. All right. We will finish John chapter 21 and begin Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 22. All right. We're going to finish another book today. Yeah, this will be our 14th book. 14? Mm-hmm. It's really adding up, man. I know. Okay. John. So Jesus has been appearing to the disciples He is resurrected, and uh, 
there in 21, it talks wait, about... Wait, wait, wait. Chapter, chapter 19, verse 30. Did we talk about that yesterday? No. This is the key to the book of John. Okay. I just can't let it go by. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. So John tells us. It's one of the cool little nuggets of John. I wrote these down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So if you want like a core verse for the book of John and for the ministry of, of Jesus, mm-hmm. and our ministry is to announce that by believing in Jesus as the Son of God, you might have life in his name. So just had to say that. He puts that there. Then he goes now into the appearance to seven disciples, and I believe it's going to be like his third appearance, or he appears at least three times to them. Mm -hmm. Pretty great. So we have the disciples kind of, Simon's kind of just like returning back to his old job. Right. Like he's kind of gone full circle now. It's like, well, I guess I'll go fish. And he's like, I'm going fishing. I'm good at that. And so like all, all the six other disciples that are with him are like, all right, we'll go out with you. Because whatever had happened here these last three years, I'm not good at. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to fishing. Yeah. And then, of course, <clears throat> Jesus meets him in his, in his return to just giving up and going, oh, I'm just going to be a fisherman. Yeah, so I, I, I love this story. They're, they're fishing all night. They catch nothing. Mm-hmm. And day is breaking, and Jesus is standing on the shore, but they can't tell that it's Jesus. And Jesus shouts out at them, and says, children, do you have any fish? And they're like, they call back, no. And he says, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And so now, this seems like odd to us, but, but in that culture, they would have spotters on the land who right. could see, they just had a better angle. You can see the shadows of the mm-hmm. lot, you know, if there's school of fish somewhere, which yeah. way to cast. And so this wasn't like an an unusual thing to do. That wasn't the weird thing. That was not the weird thing. The weird thing is what happens when they obey him. Yeah, so they catch it, and there's such a large quantity of fish that they can't even haul the net in. And John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, says to Peter, it's the Lord. I love it. They're like trying to pull pull this net in, and John all of a sudden realizes... There's, there's no spotter I know that could say, cast on that side, and then instantly fill your net. Yeah. It just been, doesn't we, happen. We've been here before. And this is something that Jesus did before. So Peter does what Peter does, and that is put on his cloak or whatever, his outer garment, and just jump in the water and not even wait for the boat. Yeah. The other guys, the other disciples take the boat in. Yeah, with the net. But Peter is just running to him. Yes. And, and Jesus is there preparing food, which is great. Again, you see the resurrected Christ being able to eat. Yes. And food being a part of that. Yeah, I love that he goes out on the beach and cooks a meal. Right. He has bread and uh, cooked fish there waiting for them. And they have the net also has not broken. Right. It's full of large fish, 153 of them. And uh, That's crazy. I know. And Jesus says, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. So Jesus took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. 
And this was the third time Jesus re- was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So they're having a good breakfast yeah. with the resurrected Christ. Mm-hmm. Again, the reason that's a big deal to me is because I think we're going to eat in the resurrection of all things. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a hard conversation that Jesus is uh, wanting to have with Peter. It's more hard for Peter uh, because Jesus saw Peter. He knew, he predicted it and then saw it where mm-hmm. Peter denied him three times. Mm-hmm. Peter knows this. He's thinking, uh, I don't know how this is all going to go down, but Jesus does it in a way that only Jesus could do it. He yeah. says, Peter, do you love me? And he says it three times. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And every time, Peter's like, yeah, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Then tend to my sheep. I love you, Lord. And Peter was grieved. He's like, this third time, because Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. And then he tells him how he's going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Feed my sheep. You're going to be martyred. But the, uh, what you have to grasp here is Jesus is forgiving the three denials. Yes. Because Peter is going to, Peter's running to him through water mm-hmm. to get to Jesus, not knowing if he's going to be condemned or officially kicked out forever or kicked off the team. It's like, you can watch from a distance now, Peter. He doesn't know. And what he finds is Jesus saying, do you love me? And giving Peter the chance to confess his love for Jesus three times. Yes. Which is the opposite of denying even knowing Jesus three mm-hmm. times. So in that way, he walks, re- he re-walks through all the, um, his sin and is forgiven. And then we get back to, you're going to be the guy to feed my sheep. Yes. And then uh, it's great because Peter is given this, you're going to, uh, basically you're going to be martyred. Um, and then Peter turns and saw, and John describes himself. So it feels like John is describing Peter's ministry. Yes. And John describes himself a few times as the one who loved. And he goes, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one who had been reclining at the table close to him. Yeah. You know, and who said, anyway, Peter saw John and he says, Lord, what about this man? So after, after he's restored, Jesus says, you're going to be martyred. Peter's response is, well, what about John? Is he going to be martyred? And Jesus straight up has to be like almost a parent here. He's just like, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. Like... <laughs> Mind your own business, Peter. Don't worry. You just follow me. But then John has to say, it's so funny. It's like John goes, so the saying spread among the brothers that the disciple, this disciple, him, would not die. Yet Jesus did not say that he would not die. So John's like, but he never said that. He simply said, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? So we get like a little... Like inside... Inside John's brain, you know. He's trying to like... Stop rumors. He's yeah, like, he's no, like, no, I'm not gonna live I, forever. I'm going to die, you guys. Here's what he actually said. He yeah. said, "What is it to you, Peter? Ugh, Peter, you did it again." <laughs> I think Peter just always, you know, spoke a lot, and that bothered John. But it's really like good natured and kind of fun. It's like fun to get a little insight like mm-hmm. that. And then John ends the whole book. There are so many other things that Jesus did. If we were to write them down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. I so I mean, what a great ending! Like, basically, John is saying, "I've only given you like the highest of highlights. Mm-hmm. If I wrote down everything, you wouldn't have enough time in a life to mm-hmm. read it." He did so much more. Everything he was doing, all the conversations, all the—I mean, three years worth, twenty-four hours a day. I mean, I, we just gave you. We can only remember. Think of the last three years. What do you remember? All right. How many events do you remember from the last three years? Right. No. I mean, it's pretty hard. 
But he, I, I just love that this is just the highlights. Uh-huh. And from the highlights, we know how good Jesus is and uh, that we have life in his name. Yeah. Well, we finished another book. Boom. Finished another book. Take a look at another book. Huh. All right. That was our little celebration. Now moving on to Luke's continuation. Really the continuation of Luke. Yeah. And so this is... Um, either a direct continuation or, at the very minimum, a uh, the second book of Luke. Because right. he starts off to the same person, Theophilus. He says, In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up and after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles. So he's like, All right, I told you everything about Jesus. Now, this book is going to be addressing what happened after right and what his followers then continued to do in his name and some people call it the book it's the acts of the apostles mm-hmm. so like it's how they acted how this thing got going because in reality when uh, the leader dies the insurrection dies and just like we've been reading in the old testament there's uh, sons of leaders and people are usually trying to get power and so mm-hmm. most insurrections the followers kind of kill themselves trying to get the power of their great leader who's now dead. And so uh, the miracle of the book of Acts is these guys were not going for their own name. Like Mm -hmm. Peter could have been the leader. He could have been the new Jesus or John could have been the new Jesus. What is amazing is that they keep proclaiming the name of Jesus and Jesus is the king. Mm -hmm. No other movement is like this. Yes. And so it's the Acts of the Apostles. It's the beginning of the church. And the church is one of those things that God himself creates and says, uh, actually, it's a continuation from the Old Testament. I want my people to gather around my word, and I will speak to you here. This is one of the places I speak to you. And that's why Jesus says at the end here, he goes, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Mm -hmm. Now, I heard recently, I was at a conference, and the word baptized... Maybe you heard this a long time ago, but immersed. But he said the original term for baptism was like what you when you take a cucumber and you brine it and you make it into a pickle. So like you submerge the cucumber into whatever, however make, you make a pickle, and it can never be the same again. Like it, you can't reverse a yeah. pickle. You can't get uh, a cucumber from a pickle. Mm-hmm. Like it's forever changed. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, the idea of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is like, we're just, we're humans and we're going to be dipped into this and we'll forever now, we have this be spirit. Transformed. We're transformed. We're something different, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And so Jesus is baptizing us into that, making us pickles. Oh, yeah. Oh. Really. I uh, hope sweet butter pickles. <clears throat> huh. That's not what I'm hoping for. All right. Uh, that's too bad. So Something's th- wrong with your palate. So then Acts... So Luke records the ascension of Jesus. and uh, Well, they ask the great question. Yeah, I love it. They're still, even after his resurrection, they're still right. thinking. But this shows you how these things usually go down. Yeah. So they go down. Restore the kingdom to Israel. Lord, when will you do this? Mm-hmm. Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So are you going to do what David did? Yeah. Because that's all we know. It's like, mm-hmm. are you going to be a king for 40 years? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be awesome? And they don't understand the how profound this is. Yeah. And that's why he says, look, I don't know. I don't know. Which is the worst answer for them. They're like, how do you not know? He's like, it is not for you to know. Time to see the father's fixed it by his own authority. 
Here's what you guys will know. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you're going to be my witnesses. Jerusalem, and this sets up the whole trajectory for Mm -hmm. Acts. It's going to start in Jerusalem, go to Judea, all of Judea, the promised land, and then Samaria and to the ends of the world. Mm -hmm. So it starts at home, it slowly goes out, and the Holy Spirit's going to fund it all. But he still didn't answer the question. Yeah. So basically he's saying, so we actually are now equipped to take over the world. Yes. And that's what we're going to do. And then in response to this question, are you going to restore the kingdom now? He then just ascends into heaven. Right. (laughs) Well, I can't do it while I'm standing here, guys. Yeah. And uh, then we have another two men dressed in white, just like at the resurrection, uh, show up again. And they say, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. again, they're, they're setting up and his return that one day Jesus will come back to us the same way he left Yeah, us. this verse tells us so many things. One, angels, we learned from Job, angels were at creation singing. Yes. Angels are at Jesus' birth singing. Mm-hmm. Angels are at the tomb. There's two angels that now mm-hmm. angels are at his ascension. Yes. And they tell us two very important things. He's going, he's taken up from you, he's going up to heaven. Yes. But he's coming back the same way. Mm-hmm. So the only thing we know is Jesus promises to come back and he keeps his promises. Mm-hmm. And it's told to us by angels whose name actually means messengers. So yes. they that's just what they do. So they gave us this message. And so don't ever get caught up with the times and dates and trying to figure out the exact time. It's the same answer Jesus gave his disciples. Look, you have the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. Do that. Mm-hmm. Follow me. Don't worry about who's going to be martyred and who's going to be, when's God's going to come back and what's the difference between you. No. Just wait for the Holy Spirit. Well, um, and so the first thing they do is they got to get the 12 tribes represented. Mm-hmm. And just like the 12 tribes, there's like a 13th, right? They have Manasseh and Ephraim. Yeah. Because there's been a split off and one is like yeah. kind of bad. And the same thing with the disciples. You have Judas, who's kind of like the, like a Levi and Simeon tribe that yeah. has betrayed the things of God. And so they bring in another, um, yeah, they, they bring in another disciple or mm-hmm. someone. They bring in two guys yeah. to, uh, they put forth. Uh, Joseph, who was called Barsabbas, and uh, oh, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they have, they pray to God and they say, Lord, you know the hearts of all, and show us which one of the two that you've chosen to take the place in the ministry and the apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. Oh, we don't even go through all that. We only go to 22. Oh, wow. So, okay, well, that'll be next time. The, uh, the one thing, though, is Judas killed himself. Yeah. And uh, yes. Judas pulls a Saul. And, mm-hmm. um, and here's what you need to know. You look at Peter and you look at Judas, and there's not a lot of difference up until this moment. There's no difference until the end. Peter goes back to Jesus and gets forgiveness. Judas handles it himself. He does, I mean, if you think it through, you've betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ a man who is just a good dude, that on its own is going to mess you up, yeah. let alone his resurrection. So he kills himself in a, in a state of total hopelessness, whereas Peter runs to Jesus. So again, our sin does not define us. It's how we respond to our sin when, we, when and if we turn to the Lord. And so um, 
It's not a shame to repent. Actually, there's great strength in repentance. That's where the forgiveness comes. You're able to believe that you're forgiven. Judas couldn't believe it, so he took it into his own hands. And now they are going to, and from the beginning, you see the disciples acting kind of like David. They're going to ask the Lord to replace a representative of the tribes. You know, mm-hmm. Even though we're becoming one tribe under Jesus, there's <clears throat> a unity, which was the whole goal. And so we'll see how the church handles its first uh, transition of leadership. Are they going to make it or not? Yeah. So uh, it's so crazy, though, how Judas looks like Saul. Yeah. I never, it's yeah. like they're perfectly going, dovetailing the old and the new, right? And so Christ is here now. His new kingdom is going along with the story in 2 Samuel, his new mm-hmm. kingdom. They got to handle some problems. It requires the God, God help. Yeah, it's really great. Okay. Today I'm going to read Psalm 69, verse 1 through 12. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, those who attack me with lies. What did I steal? Must I now restore? O God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Let those who hope in you be put to shame. But let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me. O Lord of hosts, let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. For it is for your sake that I have borne reproach, that dishonor has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers and alien to my mother's sons. For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. When I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. I am the talk of those who sit in the gate, and the drunkards make songs about me. Boom! You've just been fed by ravens. Well, I pray God blesses you with today's uh, talk, and that I want you to be blessed and go in peace and serve the Lord. See you next time.